turn in your Bibles to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. These should be familiar words if you were here this morning, that uh, closing hymn, Oh God, Our Help in Ages Past, was Isaac Watts' rendering of an arrangement of the words of Psalm 90. Uh, Psalm 90 is a psalm uh, written by Moses. It's probably the oldest psalm we have. And it uh, begins this fourth book of the Psalms. As we go to God's Word, let's ask His blessing on its reading and preaching. Pray with me. Lord, we come tonight needing to hear from You. We need You to transform us by the renewing of our minds. And so we pray that You would send forth Your Spirit to do that. Give us attentive ears. Give us pliable, soft hearts. Give us all that we need for life and godliness. Uh, through your word this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 90, a psalm of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning, in the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers, for we are brought to an end by your anger." By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Thus far, God's word. Well, we are at a calendar-flipping sort of day on this New Year's Eve uh, evening. Uh, tomorrow will be 2024, and it's always worth it at these times to stop and evaluate. We evaluate the past in light of how we might do things differently in the future. God has made us uh, creatures with memory. Uh, in His image, we can remember and reflect and ponder in ways that I don't think cows can do, or pigs can do, or uh, birds can do. Uh, 
I don't know that for sure, but it sure doesn't look like they do that sort of thing uh, very much. But human beings, as the crown of God's creation, are different. And Moses gives us in Psalm 90 a wonderful pattern. It's a pattern that we can use at year end. It's a pattern we can use at day's end. It's a pattern we can use uh, week by week, Lord's Day by Lord's Day. As we uh, consider what God has done, as we consider who we are, and as that then drives us to pray and it drives our prayers. I'd remind you that Moses never went into the promised land. And so in the time of Moses' public ministry, he's in the wilderness. He is in a dry and weary land. He knows what it is to have been saved by God, to have been saved out of slavery, and yet not in the promised land just yet. To struggle and to toil, to deal with God's rebuke is the the references he makes in Psalm 90. The, The longing for something else, something that God had made him and his people for, and he could see it. But it wasn't there yet. And in the meantime, he had to contend with God's punishment, of God's judgment of, of thorns and thistles and all of the complications that happen in this life. On this last night of 2023, maybe you are ready for 2023 to be in the rear view mirror. Maybe this has not been a good year for you. Maybe it's been for you what Queen Elizabeth said the year Windsor Castle burned. It was her Annus Horribilis. Uh, perhaps this was your horrible year. Perhaps this has been a good year. Maybe you're fearful going into 24. Maybe you anticipate wonderful things in 2024. But to do all of that and to have a heart of gratitude and to not be a person who is inclined to grumbling, is we're all inclined to do, We all, without uh, working at it, will begin to grumble and will begin to murmur, just like the children of Israel in the wilderness, the people Moses was leading. And in the same way that a a car that is out of alignment, because your hearts and my hearts are are out of alignment, we, we, we pull in one direction, and that direction is away from God. It is toward our own desires and wishes. It's toward those things which will destroy us. And so there's this need to be constantly turning back in the way you would try to keep an out-of-alignment car heading that straight down a road. So, too, we must be about that if we're to see the kinds of joys in the Christian life that are available to the people of God. And Moses gives us this pattern, and I want us to look at it briefly tonight. The pattern is is threefold. The pattern is first to remember. Look especially at verses 1 and 2. Moses is looking back, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. He's looking back even to creation before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's remembering a God who is eternal. He's remembering a God who remembered his covenant promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, 
a God who had come to rescue His people through Moses' intercession to rescue that people and to bring them out of slavery and to take them toward the promised land. He remembers a God who is not capricious, who is from everlasting to everlasting, who, who does not change, who has been His people's dwelling place before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There is a pattern that behooves us in the Christian life of looking back and remembering what God has done, of remembering how He has made the world, how He has made us in His image, remembering our own sin and our rebellion against God. Remembering how he drew us out of the muck and the mire of our treason and rebellion and showed us not his justice, but showed us his mercy in Christ Jesus. How he drew us to himself, how he has given us new life. And though we are not yet what we will one day be, we nor, neither are we what we once were. And He's changing us from one degree of glory to another. And if we've been a Christian for any length of time, we, we look back on our lives in the way that the children of Israel, after Moses wrote this psalm, when they would cross into the promised land, you remember they pulled those stones out of the river and they, they set them up on the shore as rocks of remembrance. So that in the years to come when their children said, where did those rocks come from? It would be a prompt for them to remember what God had done and how He had delivered, and that day how He had stopped the river so that the people could cross uh, across the river. Brothers and sisters, we need those same kinds of rocks. We need to stoke the fires of our memory of what God has done. Let me encourage you when you have a, an unusual season of, of seeing God's hand at work, write it down. Because time dulls our senses, and as the year go, years go on, we, we begin to remember details differently, and maybe in a household, one spouse remembers it one way, and another one remembers it differently, and you're not sure. Oh, the value of having a record of how God has worked in specific ways to, to make you fit for eternity, to conform you to the image of Christ Jesus. So this pattern Moses is showing us of remembering. But then he, he steps back and he begins to chew on that a bit. And we see in verses 3 to 11, there's, he reflects. He doesn't just remember, but he takes that knowledge, those things he has remembered about God and who God is and what God is like, and he begins to consider who he is and who uh, men and women are. You, verse 3, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. In verse 3, he's considering the, the passing nature of being a human being. He'll recall the, the grass in verse 6, like fresh grass in the morning, and you go out and you cut it and what, by the evening it's just dried up straw that just blows away. And he says, our lives are that way. 
But he's doing that not to, to undervalue the worth in, that we have as human beings, but to show God's great power, his, his eternality, his infinite power, his infinite wisdom, his infinite glory contrasted over against the passing nature of human beings. And friends, we need to cultivate that same kind of thinking. I don't know what problems you are facing right now. No doubt some of you in this room have health challenges and others have financial challenges. You, maybe you've got a, a career at a, at a T intersection and there, you, there's got to go one way or the other. Perhaps it's a strained relationship and, and an extended family. We do well to remember the greatness of God. In those times, that is the most practical thing. When our problems loom large and when the concerns of this world, whether they be uh, uh, concerns we've brought onto ourselves needlessly or legitimate and right and proper concerns, nevertheless, to remember who God is and how passing our lives are. He goes on to, to consider uh, the, the nature of the world, the way God has ordered the world, the, the way the, the, the universe works, of God's judgment on sin. Verse 7, we're brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we're dismayed. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. Moses and that generation who who didn't believe God, didn't take him at his word, who said, oh, we'd be better off back in slavery. Moses is wandering around in the desert with these people as those generations die off so that their children can go into the land. He's reflecting on the passing nature of life. On the one hand, our days seem long, and yet in another sense, they are, are very short. Verse 10, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. He almost sounds like Solomon, doesn't he, in the Proverbs and in Ecclesiastes. He's considering the nature of life, the nature of existence in this world. It's a reminder even, uh, verse 10 to me, we, Patty and I were with an older couple about a month ago. Uh, out to dinner. They were in their mid-80s, but they're pretty spry and active mid-80s. And the, uh, the gentleman said to me when he was talking about their age, he said, you know, we're not in the fourth quarter anymore. He said, we're in overtime uh, <laughs> in our lives, which got me thinking and thinking particularly this week about this verse, I'll be 60 in 2024, which if we take this pattern of about 80 years, what have I done with the first three quarters? And what is left before in that last quarter? If the Lord gives me 20 more years, how do I make that count? How do I, how do I have something to show the Lord that is, that is fitting and proper of, with the gift that He has given me of time? And Moses is, is taking us through this exercise, and you see the, the value of doing this certainly at the end of a year and at the beginning of a new year, but also doing it at the end of a day. Asking yourself, what are the lies that the enemy has tried to tell me about who God is? What, what did I see in of God's power? 
What did I see of rebellion against God in the world today? What did I learn about Christ and His power, His resurrection power in the world today? Are you looking for these things? See, if we don't cultivate this habit of remembering and reflecting, we turn into something very different from the kinds of people God has blessed us that we might be. Look at what it drives Moses to do, and I think he lays out a pattern for us in verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number, to our, consider our days. How many more Lord's days do you think you have left in your life? How many more New Year's Eves do you have? I mean, everybody in this room has a finite number unless Jesus returns first. The, the, life has a 100% mortality rate. Are we numbering our days? Parents, are you numbering your days with your children? I've been struck recently, our daughter, who's our youngest child, got engaged a few days ago, and I was struck by the fact of how much of the total time she and I will ever spend together, we've already spent. You know, we have these days, maybe you feel weary in parenting, number the days that are left before that child turns 18. And say, how many more days? I mean, it seems like a long time, and the days are long. But friends, it really is true that the days are long, but the years are short. And that's, we, gives, we have that perspective when we number our days. And no, Moses is praying that for himself. He's praying that for his people. What a wonderful thing for us to pray for one another. Lord, teach us to number our days. Uh, Lord, give us a heart of wisdom, verse 12. It's a wonderful thing for us to pray. And you see how this remembering and then this reflecting is driving Moses to his knees. If you're like me, prayer comes easy occasionally. <laughs> and a lot of times prayer is like the Dunkin' Donuts man in the old commercials. You know, he slings his feet over the bed and says, I've got to go make the donuts. And he goes off to make the donuts. And I know I should pray, and I know I ought to, to rejoice that I can rush to the throne of grace and that the God of the universe hears me. But sometimes, like a, a fire that's grown cold, we need to, to blow the bellows. We need to pour a little more fuel on the fire. And remembering what God has done. And reflecting on what that tells me about who I am, who God is, what the world is like, how God has not left us in our sin, but has intervened in Christ Jesus, and He has drawn me to Himself, and that then fires and powers that engine of crying out to God, not as a drudgery, but as a plea of a heart that has been stirred by the, the nature of God. And so we pray, number our days. Give me a heart of wisdom. Do you pray, verse 13, return, O Lord. I, I find myself, sometimes you read stories or hear things on the news, and 
All I can say is come quickly, Lord Jesus. This is not how this world was made to be. And one day, King Jesus will return, and he will make all things right. And he will bring judgment on his enemies, and he will, he will vindicate the righteous, and he will wipe away every tear. But until then, sometimes our prayer is, return, Lord, how long? How long must this go on like this? Pleading in verse 13, have pity on your servants. Sometimes that may be the only thing you can pray for somebody when you don't know what else to pray for them. Lord, have pity on them. Satisfy us. I would love to think that people are praying that I would be satisfied, verse 14, with the steadfast love of God. And you need people to pray that for you to make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. You wouldn't think we would be thanking God for the days he's afflicted us. And yet, Moses sees what affliction is doing to the people of God. He sees in that wilderness for those 40 years how it's purifying and how it's refining them. And how it's preparing them to go into the promised land. And so while it's hard, it's not going to last forever. And it's not random. It's not capricious of God. But in fact, the consequences of the people's sin, God is bringing about his good sanctifying purpose in his people. And so to pray, Lord, make me glad for the ways that you are doing hard things in my life and in the life of people I love, that we might long for that land with milk and honey all the more. Let your work be shown to your servants Let, um, and your glorious power to their children. To to pray that God would reveal himself not only uh, to us, but to the children who will come after us. When you hear a, a baby crying in church, or you hear a toddler misbehaving, and this is for me, friends, instead of grumbling or murmuring or wishing that they would get control of their kid, to pray, Lord, that you would show your glorious power to this child in the years to come. They're missing it right now. (laughs) So, Lord, make up. (laughs) Make up for lost time. Verse 17, let the favor of the Lord God be upon us. Let his favor be upon the families in this congregation, upon the households. His favor to be upon the leaders of this church. His favor to be upon our state and our nation. To pray that is to concede that we deserve nothing. And we come simply with empty hands, simply to the cross, I claim. And we come and we beg God to work. And we pray, Lord, establish the work of our hands. Isn't it a sick feeling when you maybe are trying to put something together and Maybe you ladies don't know about this, but for some, some men, uh, we don't read the directions like we should. 
and, and we think we know better, or we think we know where we're going, and we end up and we just have to backtrack. Or these parts we put together, now we have to take it all apart because there was this one thing we forgot to do because we didn't read the directions. Isn't that such a wasted feeling? And to pray instead, Lord, establish the work of our hands, of the things to which I set myself in this coming year. Make those things count in eternity. And you don't have to be a pastor or a missionary for, for the, to ask the Lord to establish the work of your hands. You, you, may, you may work on things, things that break. And you serve the glory of God by caring for other people, by fixing those things and making them work so that those things can be a blessing to the people that God has made. Or you may work on human bodies and help bring cures. Or you may work in sales and help people find things that they need that will enrich their lives or make their lives better or cause people to prosper. Whatever that work is that God has set before you in the, in the day by day to, Lord, establish the work of my hands but also in the, in the relationships, in the spheres, in our neighborhoods, and, and in, the, in the congregation, and is in our extended family relationships. Lord, establish the work of my hands. Put me to something that counts for eternity. And that'll look different. I understand some of you struggle, I suspect, to get out of bed in the morning. And, and you, you can't go running around the neighborhood, and it's all you can do to get here on the Lord's Day. Well, he has given you time, and let him establish the work of your hands as you beg God in prayer in ways that other people can't because of the busyness of their schedule or their family responsibilities. Every one of us has a, a work that God might be pleased to establish in this next year, that it would count for eternity. And there are as many different stories of how God might do that as there are people in this room tonight. But to ask, Lord, put me to something that is, that is worth establishing. And then, Lord, be pleased to do it. Be pleased for the glory of your name. Be pleased for, for Christ's name to be made known in my workplace or in my neighborhood or in my family or with, my, with my, my, my neighbor down the street, or this person I've gotten to know, wherever that is. And that may be some grand, glorious, you know, 48-story skyscraper kind of thing, or it may be something small and tiny that no one else knows about. But God knows. And as Francis Schaeffer so beautifully said, in God's kingdom, there are no little people and there are no little places. And so, as we, as we conclude by praying that the Lord would establish the work of our hands, Moses has given this, this, this pattern. As, as I said, it, it, it works at year end and as we consider the next year ahead. It works over lunch. It works at the end of the day. 
It works on a, on a Lord's Day evening as you reflect on the week past and the week ahead to remember what God has done, to reflect on who we are and what is, how has God ordered the world and what is the, how is the kingdom of God advancing, and that that would drive us to pray. And it would, it would fire the engine. It'd be like dynamite that would set off an explosion of prayer. And in, in that, God's glory is advanced. We leave with thankful hearts and reflective hearts. We're then looking more the next day at what God is doing. And do you see how this thing, God, by His Spirit works, not in an automatic way, but in a very predictable way. So let's set ourselves to that in this new year. Pray with me. Lord, as we make this turn tonight, we pray that you would give us not to just ride along like debris on top of a river, not looking where we are, not reflecting on where we've been, not considering what you might have for us ahead. But Lord, we want to be about what you are doing in the world. And so give us to remember, give us to reflect, and Lord, make us a praying people in this year ahead as we journey toward our promised land and as we long for that day when you will make all things new. Until then, give us grace to persevere, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.